world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Thursday, June 25th. This is Film Session, and today we're discussing the 2017 Kenny Anderson documentary, Mr. Chibs. I'm Jay Skeets, and joining us on the phone today, we got Mr. Mellis. Hello. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey-o. Hey-o. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Man making the magic happen. JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are. Guys, email us your NBA questions and comments for our next beach step in episode. No dunks at theathletic.com or tweet them in at no dunks inc. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at no dunks inc. Lee, you had on another great guest on this week's Pop and Packs, George Carl. How yeah. was that? Oh, he was great. Yeah, he was out there in Seattle. He was rocking his Seattle uh, hat and everything. And uh, he told us a couple of great stories. So um, it was a lot of fun. Like uh, the one time I asked him, I don't know if you guys remember, he wore a jersey one time on the sidelines when he was mm-hmm. coaching. And uh, and I asked him about, like, how did that happen? And he, he said he forgot his suit. So he had to put on the jersey. And uh, he was hoping that, you know, they, some of the coaches talked about, like, why can't coaches wear jerseys and sweatsuits on the side? <laughs> right. And Chuck Daly, the legendary Pistons coach, was like, do you guys know how awful you look in sweats? A suit does is the best thing for you. So, uh, so that was great. Yeah, a few other good stories as well, just about his days there in Seattle, where the Sonics were, you know, one of those teams that uh, if it wasn't for Jordan, probably would have won a championship at some point in the '90s, but weren't able to do it. So, uh, really enjoyed it. Awesome. How was he at uh, guessing the cards, the players on the cards? Oh, yeah, he did pretty well, yeah. Yeah, yeah he did pretty well. He got off to a slow start there. He couldn't quite remember Harvey Grant. We were talking about uh, he was the twin, <laughs> oh, come on! twin twin brother of a, of a guy for the Bulls, and he just couldn't get that. But after that, once he started rolling, he was on fire there. So, uh, All right. So, yeah, it was really good. Well, go check that out. It's up on our Instagram page at No Dunks Inc. Lee Poppin' Packs with George Carl. And you know we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash No Dunks Inc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. Okay, an interesting one here for today's film session, guys. It's been a minute since we've done one of these. We decided to watch 2017's Mr. Chibs. It is a documentary directed by Jill Campbell. Stars, of course, Kenny Anderson. The synopsis, 10 years after retirement from a career as a professional athlete, Kenny Anderson finds that basketball is easy. It's life that's hard. Still reeling from his mother's death, the former New York City high school prodigy and NBA All-Star loses a cherished coaching position, sending him into a midlife crisis. Um, again, this is a heavier movie than we usually do on film session. You know, you know we're usually uh, talking about Bugs Bunny versus Michael Jordan and <laughs> talking about White Man Can't Jump and Woody and, and all those guys. But... This is uh, this was different, which was uh, you know refreshing. What did you think, Lee? Why don't you get us started? What did you just think overall from this documentary? It was the first time I think for everybody watching it. It came out a couple years ago. I don't know how many people even listening to this have watched it. You can watch it on Amazon. But what did you think, Lee? Well, I, I learned quite a lot more about Kenny Anson than I thought I knew about him because uh, right. he, he was the phenom as a kid. He was a prodigy growing up and, uh, you know, he made it to the NBA, the number two pick. I mean, you're a very, very good player if you make it that high uh, in the NBA. 
but he didn't quite have the NBA career that a lot of people thought he was going to have and expected him to have. I mean, there was talk that he could be the next Isaiah Thomas as mm-hmm. he was being drafted, which is a huge, huge uh, role to fill. And it didn't quite work out. And I think you got to see a little bit of the reasons why it didn't work out because he had quite a few issues off the court, whether it was with alcohol, whether it was with women, whether it was because of his upbringing where he talked about, you know, he was molested as a child, which is obviously a a tragic thing to happen. And he carried that through his life. So by the time he got to the NBA, I think he was dealing with quite a few things. um, And that was one of the reasons why he wasn't able to have the uh, the career that many expected him to have, even though he still had a decent career, uh, just not quite quite as as good as perhaps uh, people hoped for when they saw him in high school being, you know, some people, like I think it was Kenny Smith saying, you know, he could be the best high school player, you know, that's ever been. Um, so, yeah, he was you being know, compared to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah, in yeah. high school. Like, immense, immense pressure. And you're right, yeah. to be a, what is he, six feet tall, if that probably, to be Barely, a number yeah. two pick in the 90s when all you drafted in the 90s were big guys? Yeah, that's uh, that's just tells you how uh, amazing he was in high school, and then even going into Georgia Tech. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a wild story. I mean, he made he made a lot of money in his NBA career, sixty three million according to Basketball Reference, and he lost it all and eventually filed for bankruptcy. You, you know, he said that the problems with women. He fathered eight children by five different women, married to a couple of them, and yeah, a good but not great you know long career. Mm. Um. The problem with the doc is it to me is that sometimes it like would tiptoe around some of these crazy things that had obviously happened in Kenny's life, but it wouldn't dive too deep into it, right? Like, you know, like you said that that there's that powerful scene where it's almost like flooding back to him like these memories of childhood and being molested by this you know creep on the block and stuff like that, and then it's like it's brought up. And then, it, and then you're on to the next thing. Yeah. And that happens a couple other times with other instances, heavy, heavy stuff in his life. And it's like, I wonder, I don't know, JD, what you thought. Like, I wonder why, why Jill Campbell did it that way or maybe Kenny even sort of being involved. Like, I don't want to go deeper on some of these. What do you think about that? Yeah, there's, a, there's sort of a, a, a bit of a throwaway scene. I think he's talking to his high school coach where he – he, uh, the high school coach is basically like, uh, stop using so much profanity moving forward or something like that. And he's like, mm-hmm. ah, we're going to cut that out. It was kind of a joke. But did he have that much say over mm-hmm. what went in and what didn't go into the to the dock? I mean, he seemed pretty much like an open books. But I, I think the main culprit here seems to be budget. I don't think that they shot enough. I don't think they had enough money to actually produce it in the way that it should have been produced. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that's my hunch, but but I don't know. I mean, these are heavy, heavy topics that he just brings up, and there's so much there, and we barely scratch the surface. Which, and you're you're right, it's it's so frustrating to watch because you want to know more about this guy. As we sort of peel off little layers, it's like it's like peeling a, an onion, but you only get past like the what that first layer, and there's still more stuff that you, you know, like yeah. you're not even getting into the onion. And uh, it's frustrating to watch, for sure. I wonder if he even dove into it himself, though. I, I think that's yeah. where the problem lies. I think the, all those issues, um, okay, you talked about a couple of them. The the drinking issue uh, that he, he brought up with um, his sort of mentor, um, as well as that being the reason that he didn't have the work ethic in New Jersey, and that's why he sort of fell off. When he was talking about that with his mentor, he mm-hmm. just kind of said, you know, I, I guess I, I didn't live up to expectations because, uh, you know, I, I just I, I just stopped 
working hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he does. I, I feel like yeah. he still at, at, at his age during this midlife crisis hasn't dove into mm-hmm. the molestation, the, 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 the drinking issues, um, the parenting issues. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, big picture zoom out. I, I, I think um, it's it's an anomaly to see somebody like LeBron, LeBron James be the child prodigy and then and especially in a single parent home like Kenny Anderson and then become the superstar. And there's far more of these stories right. uh, like Kenny Anderson uh, where, where guys, again, he, 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 he did very well for himself in his 20s and then in his 30s professionally, uh, you know, being an NBA player, fantastic stuff. But um, there are far more of these stories where off the court things fall apart and agreed it didn't go deep into them, but I wonder if Kenny when it has gone into them enough himself. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's a very fair point. I agree with that 100%. Trey, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Skimming the surface is kind of the definition of what's happening with Kenny Anderson in this documentary because most of the the real eye-opening revelations come almost tossed off, right? Like when he mentions he had his, his addict mother was raped by her addict boyfriend, that comes up in the middle of a pep talk for a basketball team, right? Oh, yeah. He just scene. kind of barely yeah. That mentions... scene is crazy. Yeah, but that to me is also maybe the most powerful scene because it starts off as the pep talk and then he is relaying to these kids what it was like for him growing up and how he was able to find a refuge away from home doing schoolwork, doing basketball work. Clearly for Kenny Anderson, high school was a happy time. He was at the, you know, probably the peak of his powers. He was one of the most famous 18-year-olds in the country and he tells this story about how the hard work actually got him out of that situation and it resonates with kids right like there's that very mature kid who comes up to him afterwards he's like thank you so much for sharing thank you so much for showing us what we can do and you know maybe Kenny just needs to have some more of those interactions where he's sharing his story and it really matters to the people he's telling to make him want to tell his story more often because you know a lot of these things are very painful for Kenny Anderson as we can see which makes it hard to dive into him. But, um, you know, I think yeah. if he continues to get the support from the communities that he's part of, and if he continues to have success with telling his story and having an impact with children, I think that he certainly could be a sympathetic figure. You're so right about uh, about how powerful that scene is and just a, a peek into his psyche in that, as you say, it starts with the pep talk. And it just devolves into him from ba- basically saying, hey, if you take one skill from this camp, that, that's that's a success to five minutes later. He's talking about watching his mother get raped. And then, as you mentioned, the kid at the afterwards thanking him, you know, that that speech really touched me. If you watch Kenny, he's so uncomfortable with his emotions all he can really muster is an awkward half hug and he says hey that's the only word he says because he's you know he's just yeah. overwhelmed mm. and it's just so fascinating to see this guy who is ruled by his emotions but so uncomfortable in his own skin when he is feeling that way and it's uh, it's heartbreaking to watch that kid by the way who is that kid yeah. that kid is unbelievable I mean, like I, that is was was I was like almost tearing up. That kid like was so sincere and so sweet, and it was so crazy when you compare it to all these other interactions. Kenny with old friends from the neighborhood. Kenny with other players. Kenny with other coaches. And like maybe yeah, they weren't always diving deep when they were having their one on ones and stuff like that on camera. 
But it's like that kid more than a lot of other people was like, hey man, thank you for sharing that. I feel your pain. Um, you know, you're good. He was like, he was consoling Kenny Anderson. Yeah. Like he was like, yeah. the, he was like a parent, oddly. It was like reversed or like a therapist even or something. I, I, that, that kid, I don't know who that kid is, but that kid's going places. I know that for damn sure. Kid should be president someday. Oh my god, I love that. That that scene was very powerful. I, I, when I said crazy, I meant exactly what you were saying, Trangity. Like, yeah, that was that was one of the most powerful scenes in the whole doc, and there was a lot of them. Yeah, and that to me is the entire idea of what Kenny Anderson's story should be, which kind of his former agent David Falk explains to him eventually. He's like, a lot of guys after their careers are over, they want to get into media or coaching because that's still basketball. Um, but basically David Falk tells him, you need to tell your story of how you came from basically nothing to becoming an NBA all-star. Because, you know, if you look at Kenny Anderson's career from when he was 18 to when his NBA career was over, maybe you would say it's a little bit of a disappointment. He could have been Isaiah Thomas and he ended up being a one-time all-star. But if you compare it when Kenny Anderson is eight years old, you played 14 (laughs) years in the NBA. You're an all-star. You made $63 million. You are a huge success you need to figure out how to tell that story. But Kenny responds to David Falk by saying, basically, I can't do that because of politics. Then he goes and asks for a coaching job from the receptionist. There is hard work to be done for Kenny Anderson to be able to tell this story effectively, but he can do it. We saw it in that scene. Yeah, Yeah, and I think you also see still how naive he is to some things, like when he goes out to North Korea and plays with Dennis Rodman, and he clearly regrets that when he goes on uh, Piers Morgan's show. But I think that just, again, shows that Kenny's he's got a kind heart and he's always trying to sort of help people out. And I think people take advantage of that. Um, you know, a couple of other times he, he mentioned how throughout his life, you know, some friends came along and took some money. He sort of tried to play it down. He said, oh, that didn't take too much. But yeah. you, you look at a guy, you know, and this is this is something, this is common that happens to a lot of athletes. They earn all sorts of money, you know, you know, tens of millions of dollars and they blow it um, and, and they sort of look back and they think, man, the, the the more popular you are, the more famous you are, the more people you're paying. And um, and I think, again, you sort of see Kenny because he, he's like a big kid at a lot of times. And I think so many people saw that as an opportunity to exploit him. And uh, he just didn't have the guidance, uh, you know, going through his career to be able to sort of stop people from doing that. And, um, and that, that's where I felt sorry for him uh, a lot of the time because I was like, man, this guy... You know, you, you see him with his kids. He's a little unsure how to be around them because he hasn't been around them and he never yeah. had a father around him. Um, but he's trying to sort of figure things out. He's trying to please people. He's trying to do the right thing. But uh, ultimately, he, a lot of the pitfalls that, that he suffers in his life are because people can take advantage of him. And uh, and, and that, to me, is kind of sad. And, and then he's kind of relaying that onto the kids when you see him interact with uh, those kids in high school, trying to be like, don't be like me, you know? Like he, you know, like, try to try to be smarter try to be better with your thing he even talks to his own kids and says wear condoms you know that was a another <laughs> yeah. another sort of weird moment like saying that to his own son who he barely knows and then his son's like well dad you've got 10 kids and he's like oh well i've got eight it's like okay okay eight or ten it doesn't really matter but but the point is again he's not sure how to communicate he knows he made mistakes and he just doesn't want to see other kids make the same mistakes he made yeah i mean even what you were talking about like people making the decisions for him or him lacking some guidance or whatever lost at times. And he's lost in this, in this documentary. I mean, that's like we said, he's having a midlife crisis. He's trying to, you know, we'll get to, we'll get to the start of this doc, which I thought was interesting, him losing his job, right? At Mm. the private, private Jewish high school there after being arrested on a DUI. But just one more thing, what you were saying, Lee, like he says in this doc, I didn't even want to leave Georgia tech. 
Like he want, like he was enjoying his time in college. You know, there's obviously I'm sure some structure. They were they seemed to be having fun. They were they were a great team going to the Final Four. Um, you know, our our friend Dennis Scott on that team, other great players, and like. It's like he comes from nothing, his family's poor, he wants to do good by his mom, and he's like, well, they're saying he's going to be a top three pick, a top five pick, whatever, and he's like, guess I got to go, you know, like, that's just the way it was, that's the way it is for a lot of these, a lot of these kids, um, which is unfortunate, and he says, like, I wish I could have stayed there, but they were like, hey man, you, that's a lot of money right there, and you're going to be a top three pick, you got to go take that, the, the payday, and it's like, ugh. Man, I, that that would that's just tough. He's like, yeah, you sort of have to, but he doesn't want to, because he's still a kid, and he was, yeah. I think, he was the youngest player in the NBA at the time, right, when he was drafted. Yeah, back then. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he came out as a sophomore. Yeah, what Taz about that beginning though? I mean, did they do a good enough job explaining that situation um, with the DUI and him losing his coaching position, and then of course trying to find another one? Like, I, I don't know, I. I was a little confused. It was just, just, it was almost like I was supposed to know what happened. I thought mm-hmm. as a viewer, and maybe, which is weird that I didn't even as a basketball fan. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm wrong here. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've, yeah, I agree. I think uh, maybe the director did assume that the viewer sort of knew things, yeah. and I think it sort of goes back to. It feels like what we say about a lot of uh, the movies we've watched, even fictional characters, that uh, let's stop jumping around to different storylines and plots and dive in and understand what the heck is going on. And, um, you know, I, I do feel like Kenny Anderson probably had a say in in how much went into each topic. And uh, I, I, I kind of disagree, J.D., that... They didn't have budget because really, I think what it comes down to is just hearing Kenny talk about this stuff, like being the camera, being a therapist and the director being a therapist, just plop him down and let's hear about uh, you know being molested, the DUI story, mm-hmm. um, just more about him, more about coming up uh, you know, in a single family home. But I, I don't think I don't think he really wanted to talk about it. And I, I don't think we got. Enough of that DUI. I don't think we got enough of a lot of things, uh, but but uh, yeah, again, I, I don't think Kenny has dove into that um, enough. And uh, yeah, he's still a child. Like, hey, everybody wants to go back to school, not just NBA players. Everybody wants to go back to living in uh, when you're 19, 20, and 21 and not have to be an adult. Yeah, and, carefree. <laughs> um, and, and the DUI, like I always if, if there's a, a, a scene um, or, or, or uh, a visual of somebody breathing into a breathalyzer in a car so it can start I love seeing that I know it sounds a little uh, uh, a little backwards a little ass backwards but uh, it's it's the punishment of, of getting behind a wheel and driving drunk mm-hmm. you have to get into and it was sort of skimmed over but he's in his car with his kid and he has to breathe into a breathalyzer so the thing starts um, to ensure he's obviously has no alcohol in the system, and um, yeah, that was that was obviously uh, the 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 byproduct of the job that he loved, uh, being uh, a basketball coach at a private Jewish school. You wouldn't think Kenny Anderson absolutely loved being a basketball coach at a private Jewish school. Uh, I mean, that was really powerful to me to see him cry uh, about a job that, again, I don't. I don't think, uh, you know, if I didn't know Kenny Anderson before this, like before watching this, I wouldn't think he, he would cry about that. But he he let down those kids. And, um, and 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 to me, like Trey mentioned him being a sympathetic figure. I don't think he's far away from being that sympathetic figure. I know he's he's struggling at parenting. Um, but, 
He's he's right there. Like he he's he's trying. I think he is trying this this documentary as much as I say it wasn't a therapy session for him. It, it was, and I think it. Hopefully, he's better off um, now than he was in 2015 and 2016 when they were filming this. Yeah. JD, what did you think of? Yeah, a lot of the scenes of Kenny with his some of his older kids, at least that he didn't have <laughs> you know a close relationship with. That was pretty apparent, but. Through this documentary, you know, like trying to bond or do these certain things. Yeah, what do you think of all that? There's two Kenny Anderson Juniors, right? One in New yes. Jersey and one in um, Florida, I guess, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so the the New Jersey kids, yeah, it's odd because he, he obviously doesn't spend a lot of time with them and he takes them back to Lefrac. Is it Lefrac? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, is this such a weird relationship because he's kind of in their face and he's he's basically putting them down because, well, the one because the other one doesn't talk. Uh, Devin doesn't talk. But uh, but Kenny Jr. Is, he is speaking, quote unquote, properly is like correcting him and uh, in his face. But also um, he clearly loves them. But it's he's almost confrontational with him like yeah. uh like oh you're a sprinter but you're not that fast you couldn't beat me when i was in my prime and he his kid is basically agreeing with him and meanwhile when the kids are away from his father from their father he's like i don't i don't care i i, I don't have to respect him i don't barely know him i put up this poster and uh i don't even think about it it's, a, it's like i found it and i put it up and he's my dad but he's not he's not in my life or anything but compare that to how he is with the other Kenny Anderson in Florida who plays basketball and he lives with, and he is definitely putting a lot of work into that relationship to uh, to make sure that he doesn't make the same mistakes. Not that he wasn't, get, he wasn't uh, doing that with Kenny in New Jersey, like saying, hey, man, wear a condom. Hey, have you had sex yet? Like he's just more in his face and confrontational about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and it's it, it, uh, it's it's heartbreaking to watch. Really, I, I that's exactly what I thought too. Especially the, in the scenes in New Jersey where Kenny's taking them around to his you know his old playgrounds and his neighborhoods, and you know basically like playing up like I was the man, right? Like yeah. you know he's 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 showing them like you know I w- I was in the NBA, but and I was a legend here, and look, these people you know are telling you that as well. And it was so crazy. I think I forget who it was, but somebody literally says all the kids looked up to Chibs. Think about how wild that is. Like, that's being said to these two kids yeah. who, yeah, that's their father, but he's not really. He's never really been in their life all that much. Um, and and you can see how they're both the kids, like Kenny Jr. and Devin, like you said, are like, are, I don't know, processing it differently, right? Yeah. Um, and, and they're different ages. I get all that. Yeah. Um, but wow. Yeah, that... That that quote really stuck out to me for those like for those kids to I don't know you're like all the kids looked up to him like I don't look up to him you know yeah. um, and he's my dad uh, or at least I'm struggling to figure out should I look up to him and can I now and all that yeah those were powerful scenes like uh, and I don't have kids all you guys do but uh, that even touched me a lot of that stuff yeah you can tell that Kenny wants to be a good father to his children but he doesn't necessarily have the example from his own life so when he's actually able to spend some time with a few of his kids that he um, hasn't spent a ton of time with it just feels like he's offloading every parental tip that he's ever heard that these kids need to learn right and that's 
I'm, you know, I'm sure that that's cathartic for him to be able to actually parent his children. But for the kids, I'm also thinking, you know, they're hearing these words and wondering when's the next time we're going to hear this, you know, uh, like what, yes. how, how committed are you to, to actually parenting us? Because they say at the end, it's difficult to figure out what it is to be selfish when, when you've been selfish your whole life. And that's, that's the game here for Kenny Anderson. How can he give of himself to his children, to his community? How can he use what he has done in his life, which has been a lot? How can he use that to, to you know, make people around him better? Yeah, and, and not and not just say it, but to mm-hmm. actually do it. That's the other part. I kept getting this vibe of like from from at times his wife, his current wife, at times his the, the kids maybe even some friends, I got the vibe at times of people just sort of going, like rolling their eyes a little bit to, yeah, the cameras are here Mm -hmm. and Kenny's talking the big game, but as soon as these cameras are off, like what's going to happen? What's going to be the action? I don't know. Maybe that's some, there was a part of, uh, part of that that I took from some of these people reacting to him. What were you going to say, Lee? Yeah, no, I think that um, more with the mummers as well. He's got um, a lot of them have kind of, they're, they're sort of shrugging their shoulders and rolling their eyes a bit like, you know, we, they, they kind of gave up on Kenny because he just was never around. Like he might have supported them financially at times, but I sort of got the feeling that uh, I think it was his, the first um, mama of his kids was kind of like, you know, Kenny's just got so much going on. It's hard to know what, what to believe and when to sort yeah. of trust him and, and when you're going to hear from him again because he just can't seem to manage all those things and he keeps on getting himself into trouble, you know, by the fact that he's got eight kids. I mean, he just, uh, he makes the same mistakes, but things have follow a similar pattern. You know, he sort of falls for a girl. He wants that relationship and stability in his life, but eventually it just fades away anyway because uh, he, he generally brings those bad decisions on by himself and um and i think that those ladies sort of told a similar story of just kind of like yeah you know it was great for a while we had a kid and then it was like he just sort of took off and we never saw saw him again so um you know those are the sorts of things those demons that he's battling later in life now you know and he wants to make amends for it but he doesn't seem to know how to do that and I think a lot of people question whether or not he'll even be able to do it simply because of the life that he's led at this point. So I think he, you know, I think he wants to, again, in his heart, he wants to be a better father figure and a better role model, but um, he's just trying to figure out how to do it all when his kids have all grown up and moved on anyway. Like they're not, they're not babies anymore that he's going to be around them. They're in different cities and they're in different towns and um, it's hard for him to be a presence when, you know, he's, they're they're scattered all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a weird resentment there as well. I mean, you're talking, there, there, there's eight living, breathing representations of what he would call mistakes. Like there are eight mistakes that he made in a litany of other mistakes over the course of his life. And they're part of the reason that he uh, has gone bankrupt. I mean, they're not the full reason, obviously, but uh, certainly there's just a resentment there that is underlying that I don't think that uh, when, you, when you're told by your father, hey, wear a condom because... Basically, you're saying, uh, I regret having you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's good advice, but it's still, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's complicated is, I guess, what I'm saying. Yeah. Lee, you recently had Kenny on Poppin' Packs. Yeah. Um, I, I know you're obviously going through cards and talking about old NBA players and his thoughts on them and stuff like that. Do we know, like, does Kenny Anderson, did he, did he land a coaching job, you know, since this? this documentary does anybody know Lee? well he's uh is, isn't he coaching the men's team i believe um 
uh, I thought he was coaching somewhere in Florida, or a, men, a men's okay. team, I believe, but I'm not yeah. sure. Fisk, Fisk, Fisk University. University. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, that's, um, that's in Tennessee. What, you know, but what I will say um, about about trying to organise when I pop and packs with Kenny, when I sent him the first uh, message on Twitter, he responded straight away and said, "Yep, awesome, let's do it." And I was excited, obviously, and I was like, "Great!" And then I sent him a follow-up message um, a week later on the Wednesday before the Thursday and I didn't hear from him at all and I was like that's unusual because he you know he's pretty active on Twitter when he's on Twitter sure. and he's responded in the past and then the next day now he he, he sent out a tweet saying um, you know he was thinking about his mum and I and I sort of figured that my, maybe it was the anniversary of her passing but it wasn't but he was you know emotional or whatever and then I just didn't hear from him for a few days and um, and I you know I obviously didn't hassle him or anything but I, I sort of thought I wonder what happened there and so I sent him another message and I said do you want to do this and he said oh sure what time and then I didn't hear from him again the next day and uh and I was kind of like okay what's going on here and then so I so I sort of thought you know what I'll leave him alone I'm not going to bother him anymore yeah. and then he sent me a message on Twitter a couple of days later and said do you want to do this tomorrow and I said sure <laughs> and uh I said let's do it at 11 o'clock or he said let's do it at 11 o'clock and so at 10 o'clock on the Sunday I sent him a message I said are we doing this and he's like yep and 11 o'clock he wasn't there 12 o'clock he wasn't there and then he sent me a message at 12 20 and said i'm ready whenever you are <laughs> so uh so i sort of had to get everything together and we did it so the point of the story is that this was just my little experience of trying to keep him on a schedule and on a timetable table so you can imagine what it's like for his uh, other parts of his life how sure. he just can't sort of sort of keep track of whether it's time or he's just undisciplined or whatever it is um i think so, the point of the story might be that he's in the central time zone and you guys just screwed up your time zones <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you know again like it, it's it was like it was sort of annoying for me because he was in and then he was out and he went missing i mean you know but i can well imagine. yeah you wonder if that's happened time and time oh, and time again yeah. in kenny anderson's life is i think what you're getting yeah. at and i yeah. would guess yeah it probably has but then when he did, did turn up for cards, he was great. You know, he was That's engaging. Great. He was fun. So, you know, when he's there, he's there. But trying to, you know, nail him down sometimes is a little bit difficult. So, again, you can imagine when you've got three different mums saying, hey, Kenny, where's our money? Your kid wants, it's his birthday. Your kid wants to talk to you. And he's just sort of like, he can't keep on top of everything. So, um, you know, his life is a bit chaotic in that sense. There wasn't any, um, any talk about him failing on child support payments once, right? In this, no. In this talk? So. no, no, no. All right. All right. So. Point point for Kenny. He got he it seems like he paid up every single time. It, it seems like. And and I, I think financially, I, I know he yeah, he obviously claimed bankruptcy. Um, but yeah, it didn't seem like he money was quote unquote stolen from him all that much and he didn't yeah, fail his um his, his the mother of his children financially, emotionally? Oh yeah. Uh yeah. supportively? Oh yeah. Um but uh yeah, he just it's 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 very hard watching his parenting style um, with his different kids and, and the different groups and 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 when the cameras are turned on and he's going through you know the boroughs in New York City and showing the kids that he barely knows the life that he can barely really relate to anymore or he really dug deep into it, I mean that's it's it's he's trying to be this parent that he isn't and it's and he's trying to force it on them and it's it's yeah. it's obviously not him it, it's 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 put on because he doesn't do this thing right. and so it's it's very tough to watch him going through those burrows uh, again and and he brings up a point about playing basketball 
in New Jersey after growing up in New York City and that that really hurt him having yeah. to to be around not not just cuz it's a huge it's you know the biggest city in the United States and there's so much to do but he had to you know he he stayed he stayed buddies with all his buddies and he he that that same life kind of trailed after him after he went back you know from uh from Georgia Tech a quick 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 jaunt down there and came back to his same life so that really hurt him oh yeah i mean you do wonder if is Kenny Anderson's NBA career and life in general different if he doesn't go to New Jersey second and instead goes to I don't know, the Kings after that or like That's the Nuggets? Says maybe Sacramento would have been better. Yeah, like you could see why for sure. Like all those reasons you said, Tess, just being around, growing up a legend, being the man, and then they're all still there, and I'm sure they're trying to like get whatever they can from you, and you're such a kind-hearted guy. Uh, Kenny appears to be that he's like he's just being pulled probably in a million directions and trying to please everybody obviously trying to make money for his mom who he loves dearly and has of course a strange relationship with her you know as well I mean I think I saw the village voice right Kenny credits his mom for inspiring his achievements but then a decade after she's passed also acknowledges that his early success came in spite of her too right because and, and Trey I think you brought it up earlier like basketball was a way for him to escape um, a really rough home life so yeah it's uh it is a crazy what if if he goes to heck if he goes you know first overall to sure i guess well no one was larry johnson was an automatic pick but yeah he goes to the kings he goes to the nuggets something like that would uh probably have a different story yeah definitely it's it's just got to be impossible to be a young man who is coming from humble beginnings you're gone for two years then you're back in the exact same place you were with more money than basically anybody you know has ever seen in their life um how do you how do you keep it love of the game versus love of the fame and that very much seems to be what happened to kenny anderson is that he got caught up in the love of the fame of it he admits it himself he's like i stopped working then my best season was when i finally ended up in portland i stopped drinking and i had a great season Mm -hmm. unfortunately for kenny it doesn't necessarily settle in during the time that maybe if i stop drinking now and commit myself to basketball the way i did in high school i could be at the same level i was in high school you know Mm -hmm. it takes people different times to learn different lessons and there's a different rock bottom for everybody yeah, and he had that 35-point game, I believe it was, and uh, I think it was the first. his first mother of his children uh, said, uh, well, if you didn't drink the night before the game, how many would you have scored? I mean, you, you probably would have been a lot better. And he's like, yeah, I would have scored 50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's probably – there's probably a reason why he played for so many teams too, right? He yeah. was He was good, and you would want like a – obviously a, a vet, a point guard, a guard uh, on your teams if you're trying to win series and stuff like that as you move forward. But on the same hand, like, you know, how many teams did he play for? Like nine or something like that? Eight or nine? Yeah. Um, I'm, sure, end, I'm sure there was instances. More than there, I like, remembered. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm sure there was instances where there's like, ah, I don't know. It, it maybe he just doesn't have, it, doesn't have it all together. So see you, Kenny. Like, you know, they don't talk about that in the, in the doc. I thought that would have been a little interesting to explore. Like, why did you play for so, so many teams? Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah. In, in what I'm saying, but uh, I don't know. There's probably something there. He ended um, up he ended up playing with nine teams, yeah, um, nine teams. Uh, but but uh, six of those like one season or less. So right, I mean, right, a, right. a lot of players bounce and around towards happens. the end. Of, yeah, 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 for yeah. sure, toward the end of his career there. But uh, he was actually only in Portland for two seasons, which was uh, a surprise. I, I sort of felt he was there longer, but he was in Boston for five. But yeah. you know, he signed the big contract there in Portland, and things seemed to be sort of. He almost seemed to get himself back on track there, but. Uh, you know, then he then he moved on there 
to Boston. And, and again, you know, he stayed in Boston a while, but then uh, he started going. He said he had a cup of, cup of coffee in New Orleans. He had that. And uh, no mention of the Raptors snub, though. Uh, I no. thought, uh, yeah, I thought he was going to bring that up. But uh, Well, he got traded from Portland because they decided, hey, we can get a younger lefty point guard. Let's let's do it and get Damon Stoudemire instead. Mm. So I, I don't know how much of a black market was against Kenny Anderson that they traded him. Could have been. Um, but also prospect to get Mighty Mouse, probably yeah. a, a big part of that as well. We we talked about like what you know whether Kenny had sort of final say over this documentary and what he did and didn't want included. If he did, I'm a little shocked that in a documentary where he's struggling to find a coaching job and he keeps saying he wants a coaching job, if he did have final say, I thought it was a fascinating then decision to leave in the scene where he just unloads <laughs> on yeah. those AAU kids. Which was another really powerful scene. Um, but now I'm starting to think maybe he didn't because, wow, that was... What do you think of that, JD? Like, where he just goes ballistic after they lose the game. Yeah, it uh, kind of hurts his coaching prospects, I think, a little bit. But um, just the, the you see the the ugly side of his personality, I guess. Just the, the temper, like, um, just... I mean, they're kids, and, and I, I was shocked by that, shocked, like yeah. actually shocked. And then I think you see like the remorse not too long yeah. after where yeah. he's kind of yeah. like, oh, man, sorry about that, guys. I didn't, I didn't mean it. But, yeah, I, I, when I saw that, J.D., I was the same with you. I was like, this is, this is a really bad look for Kenny to be calling them losers and swearing, and then he didn't even say anything. He just kind of walked off, you know, quit on the team. Uh, but then, you know, he kind of calms down and he comes back and he's, he's kind of remorseful and apologetic. But the damage was done too, I think. You know, he, he, he can't sort of react like that and behave like that when you're coaching kids. Um, even, you know, they lost the game and, and obviously it hurts. But, uh, you know, to sort of just, uh, you know, drop that bomb on them like that in front of everybody with other parents and stuff around, I, I thought that was a really... I thought that was the worst scene of the movie, actually. I, um, I, I found that very uncomfortable. Yeah, to me, it still came back to um, being quite concerned with his status and his fame. You know, this is a movie about Kenny Anderson. Kenny Anderson's team should win the championship here. How dare you guys let me down in this moment? You know, because there are still multiple scenes throughout the documentary where people have no idea who Kenny Anderson is, except for that he must be something. Mm -hmm. And Kenny's always willing to come up to him and be like, yeah, you know who I am? Go ahead and look me up. You know, he's still wants to be known as Kenny Anderson from 1991. And I, I, I don't blame him. You know, that was, <laughs> yeah. it must be awesome to be the most highly recruited player in the entirety of the United States, to be a guy who's considered a future Hall of Famer and who wants to keep having that success, who wants to have that success again as a grown man. And But you see the battle that he's having. He, you know, he's so emotional. He berates these kids in front of their parents, in front of cameras, and then immediately... He knows that what he did was wrong. He just can't fight that impulse mm-hmm. in the very first second of it to be so upset about it. There are a lot of low points um, emotionally for for Kenny Anderson, but there's also a trivial low point that I, I found hard to believe. He's, he went back to his high school. You guys talked about that really powerful scene where he brings up his mother being molested. He also is wearing a visitor's pass during that scene. you got to wear a visitor's pass mm-hmm. to go back to the high school that you played in. Didn't like that. Just, just, just let him roll in there without a visitor's pass. I know it's procedure. I just didn't like seeing a visitor's pass. Kenny Anderson on his uh, on his shirt when when he was uh, he was talking to those kids. But uh, yeah, Coach Carter didn't of... have to get a uh, visitor's pass when he went back, did he? 
No, sir. <laughs> I, it's funny you mentioned that. I wonder if that had uh, if that had an effect on his psyche because there's a there's a shot of him walking through the cafeteria and everybody's yeah, cheering and stuff. But then when he walks into the gym and the kids are all sitting there. And he just he walks in there like this is my gym, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, and then he's giving them a, a a little pep talk. This is different from the camp, uh, but again, he's reduced to tears pretty quickly after. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I think he was just he was like, it's such an honor to be here, standing here talking to you guys, and he's reduced to tears. It's just yeah. to go from that bravado and that this is my house to just uh, just a mess. Uh, just talking to the kids it's uh it's fascinating to watch and you can tell because of those those tears that this is these are the moments where he's definitely going back to all these places for the first time like so i think that's pretty authentic from the from the filmmaker like the it's there there was no prep there's definitely kenny just going into these these different scenarios um for for real and Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. can feel that you're right about that jd there's a there's a lot of times where Kenny Anderson gets emotional um, because he's, again, probably just exploring these situations and these emotions and, and all of his regrets for the first time and, and hasn't, even though he has talked, he did, uh, if I'm not mistaken, briefly mention, talk uh, talk about going to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't do a lot of that, it sure no, feels like. like no, he, no. He, he didn't go through enough of all that baggage. Yeah, you're right. When he goes into these old locations where he was, you know, the high school prodigy, you can feel like memories just flooding back to him, right? Both good and bad, Um, which is making him, in talking to a lot of these kids or or these people from his past, like making him so emotional. It's wild. Any any other random observations? I I know when we usually do random observations, we get a little silly with these movies. Might be a little (laughs) different here. I did like, I mean, I'll bring up one uh, to lighten the mood a little bit. I loved the Kenny Anderson art that he showed off uh, in his apartment the one time where it's got him playing for all those nine teams. Uh, yeah. where they're, it's like a really cool drawing. He's like, he's in the middle as, as a net and then it's sort of like, you know, the more prominent ones like the Celtics and the Blazers are there, but then all these other teams too. That's just like, I want that. I've got to get a version of that in my uh Apartment. I already told Nora we're getting that uh, commissioned. <laughs> like me on the starter set, you know, me, uh, in Toronto with Tass in JD's uh, living room. I'm doing uh, you something had a, like cup, that. a cup of coffee with the free agents as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now me just sitting in this office talking to you guys during quarantine. I'm definitely getting that commission. So if somebody out there can draw that for me, let's talk. I'm willing to pay good money. Um, the other random observations I have before we open it up. Um, you know, I. I, I I don't even know if I knew this, really, if I'm being quite honest. But maybe it was somewhere in the back of my mind that he that he dated or... He wasn't married to her, but yeah, I guess dated DJ Spinderella from mm-hmm. Salt and Peppa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, yeah, that was a thing that happened in Kenny Anderson's life. Mm-hmm. And... I well, forgot I that she was named DJ Spinderella. I just yeah. knew her as Spinderella. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, I guess that's true. I don't know. Maybe I'm adding that. Um, the only other thing I had to add, and it's not really funny, but it was just like... It, when I, I closed my eyes a few times watching this documentary when Kenny was just talking to the camera in any sort of confessional, he sounded so much like Kobe Bryant to me at times. Mm. It was insane. I don't know if anybody else picked that up. Like, there are a couple, just the, his cadence and how he talked was mm. so Kobe-like. It was wild to me. Um, that's all I got. Any other random observations? 
I'm going to go back and listen again, actually, now. Because I, I, he does have a distinct voice, for sure. Yes, yes. Um, I'm telling you, there's yeah. it's it's his speech pattern, too. It's yeah. very, like, Kobe MJ-like. I mean, obviously, Kobe at times is doing an MJ, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if anyone noticed. It was one of the very first scenes when he jumps in his car and he, and he uses a breathalyzer. Did you see how many things he had stuffed underneath his sun visor yeah i did i did i like that <laughs> i was like what the hell is all that it's like that scene from seinfeld where george has his wallet and it's just stuffed with everything yeah. and i'm like what is up there i mean is that just like parking um you yeah. know like tickets when you go to a place and that but i'm like why would you keep them why do you stuff them up there i mean that's crazy well, there's people that do that oh, my mom was like that growing up for sure it's like every single piece of paper she ever received went in her car for whatever reason was on top of the the shade yeah, yeah it's way yeah. it's way worse when people put it like over top of the dashboard in between the windshield and, oh, yeah. and the dash like yeah, people just that. throw it there and it just sticks forever but what are people keeping what I mean if you Lee, go you to you never know when you're gonna need your McMuffin receipt man. you never right, know right right it's just like <laughs> it's just like JD still has uh, mail from when we lived in Toronto. Sorry, JD. Yeah. Uh, you just keep <laughs> shit. Yeah. Not me, uh, but some, some people, people do. Uh, yeah. that, that would drive me crazy. That's that's one. You OCD keep a spotless car, Lily. Not gonna... a spotless car, but I, I certainly wouldn't keep things up there for that long. It's like if it's in there for a couple of days, then it's out. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, I don't. Oh man, <laughs> I just thought it was wild. I was like, what? What is? I mean, when he gets the next thing and he stuffs it up there, what if they all just come down on him? You know, like <laughs> hilariously, it all comes down because it's too fat. It's there's too many things in there. <laughs> you know, Lee doesn't keep stuff in his car because he changes out his toilet brushes every couple months he's he changed <laughs> no way he's keeping stuff in his no. car um, super clean a uh, ra- random th- point i'd like to throw in there and, and I, I say point because we've debated whether or not you're playing ball and you can say game point or or you say point game what what term do you use and kenny grew up in queens grew up in new york city and, and yep. the one time he's on the floor he calls it point game as well yep. so yeah um, yeah it's a regional thing, I guess, but we got to yeah. accept it. If New York City does it, got to accept <laughs> right. it. That's right. Game point is point game. It's all the same. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, uh, a couple of college things that I thought were great. Uh, first of all, the fact they had three 20-point-per-game scorers on a college team. Yeah. Incredible. Number two, 3D, has he been the best teammate that every single basketball player has ever had? That guy is smiling <laughs> every time you see him on camera. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Also loved um, the scene where Kenny goes back to watch his game versus Bobby Hurley with Bobby Hurley and his entire team of basketball players. I thought that was really cool the way they're kind of breaking down the film uh, in the highlight room. And, you know, they keep running back the incredible crossover he has where he shakes Hurley. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, I, I liked a couple of times when you did see him, like towards the end there as well, where he's on the court and he's shooting it up. And, uh, you know, he's still got the love of the game. Like he still just loves basketball and he still uh, enjoys being out there. And I thought I thought ultimately, you know, basketball has been his life. That's where he's gotten everything from, uh, good and bad. Um, yeah. But, you know, when he's out there on the court, he's still talking a little bit of trash. He's still knocking down the shot. He still look, His shot looks exactly the same, by the way, too. Yep. Uh, and I thought his son, I thought his son Kenny also had a similar shot to his dad. Definitely. So, uh, you yeah. know, uh, I, I thought that was fun. But it was sort of, you know, considering what he's been through, um, I just liked the end bit there where he was still getting joy just from playing basketball with his kids. 
Yeah, I liked uh, when he's walking through the gym near the end of the movie and uh, we come across Kenny Smith doing tricep dips against the base of the uh, thing. So <laughs> when we arrive, you can see him in the bottom of the shot. He's got his his feet are very close to the base, of as, as, which, which is the easy way of doing dips. But as soon as he sees there's a camera on him, he extends those legs all the way out. It's like it's like David Brent. Uh, J- J- yeah. went, uh, <laughs> Sucks it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love it. Oh, uh, let's good. talk about where he got his nickname, Chibs, uh, because I had no idea. And, yeah. and uh, apparently it was when his mother gave birth to him. And uh, while in pregnancy, a woman can't eat. So apparently this is what Kenny said, that as soon as she gave birth, she had food in her mouth. She was stuffing her face with something. <laughs> and she commented on Kenny's big cheeks. But she sounded like she said chibs. So chibs stuck forever. From birth. Um, what? Yeah. Why? So, see, I just, uh, we heard Spud Webb also, um, you know, he, we, we had him on the starters back when you were wearing a starters jersey there, Skeets. Uh, you know, when guys when guys throw in their, their nickname stories that stick for life, like, I almost don't believe them. But Spud, I guess, was a little bit more believable. It was, it was... Uh, what was that one? That was... Ah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go back and watch. Um, last point. I think, JD, you will... Uh, you'll you'll probably cringe hearing these, these little moments that I caught. Uh, and, and this probably has to do with budget. Guys not being miked in the cigar store while they're shooting the breeze with Kenny and you can't hear what they're saying. Uh, in the back of a cab, Kenny Anderson is on a phone. He's left-handed... And the camera is on his left side, so you can't see his face. You gotta know if your if your subject is left-handed or right-handed. Come on! <laughs> and uh, Kenny Jr. was out of focus a couple times um, in the in the kitchen. Let's, let's get that right. We gotta fix that. Oh, come on! It's a <laughs> well, documentary. Well, they were focusing on the mother in that shot, weren't they? They were. They were. Yeah, so. But you could have racked it to, you to rack back it. and forth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> The one, uh, just one other scene. Uh, I think somebody slipped it in here, but I, I thought was fascinating was Kenny's meeting with David Falk. Um, you, know, you know him like, you know he's spiraling, right? He's like, where I, I I need some help basically, and David Falk, yeah, recommending that man, you should be a life coach for the union, and uh, which is a strong recommendation. I think makes a lot of sense. Of course, using your experiences in your life and trying to steer these other young guys. Uh, in the right directions, maybe don't do what I did or do this differently. And it's I, I like that. I thought I thought it was I thought it was someone being really frank with Kenny Anderson, which uh, he I think he needed, um, and it's probably the right approach. But I like also knowing that the league, you know, in the '90s they didn't have these sort of like programs, right, for rookies to to learn the ropes and be like, mm. oh my God, you're going to be handed millions of dollars and the vultures are going to come. Women are going to come. You know, there's going to be booze and, and, and drugs and all that. Like different time in the nineties for Kenny Anderson compared to, let's say, you know, in the last 10 years or whatever, they implemented those programs to like help these kids. Um, and so just kudos to the NBA for recognizing that mm. and putting that in place. Cause I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's helped a lot of, a lot of young mm. uh, NBA stars for sure just uh, have some guidance and, and just be ready for a lot of this stuff that's going to be thrown at you because, yeah. man, it's got to be one hell of a gut punch. All right. Before we grade this doc, a quick word from our sponsor. 
Look, 2020 has been relentless, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. Real issues are not stopping, and ideally, they shouldn't. But we need to get our minds under control to be able to combat these issues. I know it is hard, but I may have a tip. Enter Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins that are consumable and easy to take on the go. They help out by helping you relax and just chill. And they've become a leading CBD brand for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scary CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes, Men's Health, Allure, and Best Products. And right now, you can get 25% off your first order with the code NODUNKS at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com by entering code NODUNKS where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might be best for you. Go to sundayscaries.com and use code NODUNKS. Okay, so critic score for Mr. Chibs, it is on Rotten Tomatoes, just the critic score, no audience score. 43%. Um, some people, like we've talked about here, some of the reviews were like, you know, a New York Times film critic, Daniel Gold, wrote, the film, like its subject, frustrates in its ability, inability, excuse me, to focus. There's no deep inquiry into what makes Kenny tick. It's like skimming a stone across a lake. And, you know, so we've already addressed that. So that seems to be sort of the biggest backlash to it. And other people are like, you know, this is pretty damn raw and pretty wild to see a former NBA All-Star in a midlife crisis, you know, at times at least open up on camera about it. So let's grade it. Um, You think it's higher than 43%. Trey, why don't we start with you? What do you got for this one? I think that the New York Times review is pretty much right on. You know, this is very much a warts and all documentary of a former superstar going through a midlife crisis. They don't shy away from all of the mistakes that Kenny's made. You know, we have one of uh, his children's mothers basically just saying he's a bad dad um, and we don't care. uh, And that's the way it's always been, Uh, you know, and I think that this can serve as... I mean, if Kenny Anderson ever gets into life coaching, they should probably show this as part of his his thing to show the struggles that you can have when you get tons of fame and tons of money early in your career and how you're supposed to manage that. And then further, what you do after your career is over, the search yeah. for your next mission on what you're supposed to do. Because I think Kenny Smith nails something near the end of it. He's like... Kenny Anderson, you made it, man. You might not feel like you made it because you didn't live up to the expectations that people had for you, but you made it. Now all you have to do is jump in to something. Is it going to be coaching? Is it going to be life coaching? Is it going to be parenting? All you need to do is commit, and I think that that was the biggest takeaway from me. Um, as a movie, I'm going to give it five out of nine Kenny Anderson teams. Okay. Okay. So not bad. Tass, what about you? I agree that the, the the Kenny Kenny's always good for uh, for a good line and and the you know sticking your toe in the water um, is just not enough. You got to go full on splash and uh, I, that is definitely what the movie failed to do. It didn't full on splash into a lot of his issues in his life. But uh, as I said earlier, so do a lot of movies that uh, they lack that. But that's hard to do. It's a lot easier to just skim over topics like mm-hmm. we do in real life. And during this time where people are saying, you know, cherish those deep conversations that you have with people, it's just hard to do. And, it, and I'm sure Kenny is hopeful, uh, is 
has struggled to do that and is hopefully doing that um, in his endeavors now uh, and trying to write things. Um, but it was refreshing that we did see something different for us anyways in terms of our film sessions here. It, it was pretty raw and it was uh, Kenny regretting a lot of things and not, ju- not just you know puffing out his chest and, and claiming that he was a superstar. He regretted things. And so... I will give it five chubby cheeks out of nine as well. <laughs> out of nine. Okay, yeah, I like that we got a grade out of nine. Uh, Lee, what about you? Yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie because um, I didn't feel that Kenny did try to pretend that things were way better than they were. He, he went through his struggles, and any sort of documentary that can poke at your emotions I think is good and and I felt you know throughout times I felt sorry for him other times he frustrated me and I got upset with him as well but I think overall considering where he came from and and you know the life that he led and and he had struggles with his upbringing overall he was you know largely more successful than he was a failure as a a basketball star and as a as a parent as a dad you know he did have his struggles there but he's not sort of given up he's going to keep fighting and I like that about him I like that he knows that uh, there's some wounds that he has to repair and he's going to try to do that as best he can even though he doesn't really know what the best approach is so I I enjoyed that aspect of it that uh, you didn't come away from this thinking like oh man this guy was a star and all those problems that he had was someone else's fault and people just took advantage of him and and, you know when when uh, he was naive instead it was like man he took the blame and he took ownership for those things so I enjoyed that part of it and uh, he was the number two pick in the draft so I'll give him two out of three stars for this movie (laughs) okay okay GD yeah, I mean, this is not a great doc, I would say. But that said, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I There's a lot here. Just And again, I don't think they shot enough. I don't think... I think it was budget. Um, I think that Kenny Anderson is a fascinating dude. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot to unpack there. But there's also... A, I found myself thinking a lot about society watching this movie. Maybe it's because everything that's been going on while we're while I'm watching it, but um, just I I was thinking about all the kids who aren't good at basketball who came from uh, Lafrac and didn't get scooped out of there to uh, to go to, to a better high school with their tuition paid, um, you know. And he he mentions that it it takes a village uh, to raise a kid, but in Kenny's case, he was. He was taken, lifted and taken to a different village, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about the kids who don't have that NBA raw potential? Mm-hmm. Um, and when at-risk kids like that are, are left to be raised by a village that's racked with poverty, bad things can happen. The kids can get brutalized. Uh, sometimes kids get into drugs and sometimes kids get sexually abused like Kenny did. And uh, clearly no amount of money or fame has erased the trauma that Kev- Kenny experienced. So, you know, the, the message there is when you, when you hit it big, uh, uh, sometimes the village will bleed you dry. His own mother seemed to be a part of that. He mentioned that mm-hmm. I would just give her anything that she wanted. He lavished her with all sorts of stuff. Um, all the while she's uh, struggling with addiction herself, trying to raise a kid on her own with, with no father in the picture. So um, as a society, you know, we need to start looking at re- rethinking all of this stuff. You know, things like universal health care, universal daycare, free college and the drug war, decriminalize all drugs, treat it like uh, the health crisis it is. Um, 
Kenny seems to be an alcoholic. That's a legal drug and he needs he, he needs help. I mean, mm-hmm. when he gets fired, the, the thing that sparks everything off is this DUI. He goes back to visit the school where he coached and he's sitting there expressing extreme regret. He's close to tears sitting next to that uh, the principal there. And uh, Kenny's basically saying, hey, this this is the biggest mistake of my life. It's almost like he's begging for his job back. And the principal sitting next to him is basically saying, hey, remember your first game when everyone was looking at you? Yeah. You know, and then Kenny's like, you know, I, I wish I was still a part of this thing. And uh, and the principal says, well, you're here now. You live in the neighborhood. Basically saying, hey, man, come to our game so people can continue to look at you and we can benefit from your pre- presence, you know. And then and then there's a confessional with the pre- the principal basically saying, hey, I think he wants to be a coach. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, and I tell him to be a student of the game of coaching and uh, you can only ride your name for so long. Yeah, no shit. He needs good people around him to keep him on track. Cut to dork smoking cigars in a cigar club. <laughs> That's supposed to be you, asshole. When he got that DUI, he should. It, what should have happened was, it's, hey, this is our guy. He's he's got a problem, and we're going to help him deal with it. Right? Mm-hmm. That this should be society's response, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, uh, he's got problems. He's a bit of a flake, but we everybody needs to to help bring these people up and uh, people who have problems, you know? So anyway, that's uh, I'm going to give it a, uh, a seven out of 10 because I think, I think there's something there. I think that if they had the the resources to make a 10 episode documentary about Kenny Anderson, I'd watch that. I would watch that. Yeah. He's a fascinating character for sure. Or human as a, as a documentary um, lead, I guess, yeah. because on one hand watching this, like, look, Full disclosure, I was a huge Kenny Anderson fan when I started falling in love with basketball. That's when he was at his peak. That's when, you know, 93, 94, that's his all-star season. That's when he's balling. He's a lefty. You know I love the lefties like Nick. And I just loved him. I, and I, I've, I've talked before about if I one throwback I'd love to get is a Kenny Anderson Nets throwback and all that. I was a fan. But watching this, he's a sympathetic figure, no doubt. You root for him. It's He just seems like a goddamn likable guy, and you want him to do well and, you know, tackle some of these demons or these skeletons in his closet head on and, and beat them. Um, and then on the flip side of that, there are many times in this doc where I, and I've already talked about it, like, I was like, God damn it, stop saying it and do something because... <laughs> It's obvious you keep saying it and everybody says, oh, that's great. Do that. And then you just don't do anything. So it's like, and that makes for a fascinating, uh, again, character or lead in a doc. So I, I thought it was great. I recommend people watch it. Um, you know, you're, you might have issues with it like we've talked about here. But I think you overall will will find it pretty fascinating. And uh, like JD said, maybe you'll even go deeper with some of the themes that it's addressing in this documentary. So yeah, I'm with you, JD. It's not the greatest sports documentary I've ever seen. It's not really even a sports documentary, if we're being honest. But Seven out of ten is exactly where I'm at too. Um, recommend it. I, w- I would tell people to watch Mr. Chibs again on Amazon. Is I think where you can go rent that, and I don't even think it's all that much. So go check it out. So overall, we uh, we liked it a lot more than some of the critics. Um, but let's hear from you guys. If you've watched it or when you watch it, let us know. Tweet at us at No Dunk Sync. Hit us up on email, at theathletic.com. Get your questions and comments in. This was fun, right? To do a little different. 
um, basketball movie, if you want to call it that yep. again, for film Hell session. Yeah. yeah, it was a nice little change than yeah. talking about a dog playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a little disappointed that there were no discussions about what is and isn't in the rule book. That's <laughs> oh no yeah. game winner either no game winner we didn't see in this one but yeah. I think that's why Kenny was upset with the with his kids there uh, the yeah. AAU kids he wanted a game winner Lee so well, yeah, yeah. We keep our streak alive that's the first time we've actually seen the team not win the championship really isn't it awesome well done Chibs right 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 so go check out Mr. Chibs uh, we should be back on Friday with a brand new podcast for you in the meantime Clipper Bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, I had to get this right. Spud Webb got his nickname because his uncle thought his round head looked like the satellite the Soviets launched in the late 50s, old Sputnik. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.